Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a cat over here, there's a cat over there, and the wrong one died, and the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. She was on the non-equity U.S. tour in 2008 and 2009 and also did another production um, she was a vocal swing covering Grizabella, Jenny, and Jelly. So welcome, Lynn Craig, and thank you for joining me. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. I am always excited to talk to anybody who's done every version of the show, and you will be the first on this non-equity tour that I've talked to. So excited to hear a little bit about that world, because it's been on for like 20 years now at this point, it seems like. Yeah, it's been running quite a while. So before we get into that, I still I always have to level set with everybody about their history uh, of cats. So before you went on tour, before you did the, the the first production, how much did you know about the show? Did you see the movie? Were you super familiar? Um, so that's a great question. I actually knew very little about the show, which is rare. I think a lot of dancers, it's like their dream show. Um, but it was one of my first jobs out of school. So I had seen it, I think, in Chicago when I was a little kid, maybe like eight or nine. And that's all I knew about it. As a, Okay, so now I, I have very big gripes with your family bringing you as an eight or nine year old. I don't think it's an appropriate show for children. <laughs> what was your reaction as an eight or nine year old? Like, did you, were you just mesmerized or did you follow along what was happening? I don't, so I don't honestly remember what I thought because I was a kid. I just, I mean, it was cats and I think everyone thought it was like family friendly, but I can tell you when I showed up for my first day of rehearsal for tour and they asked us what we knew about cats and why we were so excited to be there. I got a little bit of attitude because I thought they were cats from space. That's uh, fair. I mean, given the the way the set's built, it kind of does feel right. Yeah. I What I remembered was green eyes. I remembered glowy green eyes in the dark. And I remembered, you know, spoiler alert, I remembered the tire, which looked like a spaceship flying up into the sky. And so I was really sure when I showed up to rehearsal that I was a cat in space. Space cats. It's mm-hmm. a different story. It, is it though? <laughs> Loose, <laughs> loosely, I guess that's true. There's, uh, we can we could do some parallels. It's probably better that you, as a eight or nine year old, thought space cats and not like what actually is happening. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a really good spin. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so you you saw it as an eight or nine year old. You didn't really watch like you weren't obsessed with like the 1998 movie. You weren't a super fan. 
and you get this first job out of school and you go in thinking you're going to see space cats, <laughs> what are you like? What's your first immediate reaction of like, okay, wow, what did I just get myself into? Uh, yeah, it was a little overwhelming. I mean, anytime you do your first national tour, it's a big deal, of course. So there's a lot of pressure, but also excitement. Um, but cats has such a long history, right? So many people who were on that tour with me had been doing it for many years. Of course, you know, the director choreographer had been associated with the show for ever. Um, so it was exciting, but also definitely a little scary, a lot of pressure. So you come in, it's got now it's been running for years. So you're coming in midway as a vocal swing. What does that process look like? Like, where do you, how much are you told about your characters and the backstory? Or are you just kind of like, here's the dance numbers, jump in and go. No, no. So they do a really good job. At least when we did it, we spent a lot of the first days just practicing what they call felinity, which I'm sure you've talked about Mm -hmm. on your podcast, right? You roll around on stage and act like a cat. You do. You do. You run around the rehearsal room and just rub on your castmates and like nuzzle them and learn to be a cat and talk a lot about who these cats are and what they're trying to accomplish. And it's really interesting because a lot of audience members have sort of their own ideas about what the show is or who the characters are, but we really had specific knowledge and thoughts about who we were and what we were doing. Like if you ask any cats cast member, I know who I was and I know why I was there. It might not make sense when they're singing and dancing, but we knew it. Well, uh, tell me more. I want to know, <laughs> like, what were you told? What was your specific, like, that's what I'm trying to solve. Cause I feel like I get a different answer from everyone I talk to and every production gets a slightly different version of it. And that's what makes this show so fascinating. Well, I think a lot of it changes with different directors and choreographers. The show, as you said, like has a really long history and everyone sort of has their own lore about who these characters are and how they came to be. And, you know, if you worked with Richard Stafford, which I did, or if you work with Jillian Lynn, which a lot of other people did, there were different understandings. Um, but yeah, we spent a lot of time practicing being cats and learning about our relationships to each other. I mean, we knew which cat had slept with which other cat, which cat hated which other cat. I mean, it's really, there's a whole story for every single cat in that show. See, that's what I've been trying to document. Mm. So I want to know who slept with who. I want to know who's, <laughs> whose parents are whose. Like who, what are the ones that you remember? As I say, I don't know if I remember it all. I, I distinctly remember McCavity and Demeter had uh, an abusive a- Fifty Shades of Grey relationship. Yeah, that's one. That's a good way of putting it. Thank you for that's helping my, me. That's my PG version of it. That's the, yeah. like the universal truth. I've, I've, that one is very well documented. It's like that's not changed in any production. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of history between those two, but there's also history with Grizz and is it McCavity? I, there's a lot. There were a lot, but I think every cast also kind of created their own. As you were on stage together, you would develop relationships as your characters and figure it out. Yeah. Was there anyone that you were, I guess that, so that's part I'm fascinated by and that's generally where we go into later, but we're going to get into it now. I want to know more of these relationships that you think there, how many do you think that you created that fell out of the norm or how many were you just, this is what I was told. I need to be a little afraid of the cavity, although you didn't point to me. Yeah. I mean, for me as a swing, a lot of it was just honoring what I was told or what the person who was playing the role was doing. So as not to disrupt the balance of the show. Um, so I did a lot of honoring those relationships, but definitely we had our own individual feelings about each other on stage. For sure. Okay. So we're going back. This has been 12 
ish years, right? Since yeah. we, so I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna make you dig dig deep to the yeah. space cats here, and remember, we're gonna go through the three. So Grizabella, what were you told about her? What was her backstory from who she was not just sleeping with, but like what was the the background there? Oh no, now I feel like I'm taking a test, Grizabella. I just remember she, I mean, she was the glamour cat. She was the hit of her time. She slept with all the male cats. Um, She had some, yeah, a lot of them. And she had a lot of um, complicated relationships with them. But then what happened? Something happened and she got like exiled. I don't even remember what it was. Um, Yeah. And she's just not accepted anymore by this crowd of cats. She's no longer what she was in her heyday and they want nothing to do with her. Okay. What about Jenny? She's like, she feels like mom cat, right? That's the way I always thought of her. Yeah, Jenny's just a happy ball of yarn kind of cat. I don't think she had a bad relationship with anyone. She's, yeah, very much a cozy. Who did Jenny sleep with? I don't think, I don't know anybody. Nobody? I don't know. Did you have someone in mind? I always looked at her as mom and old Demeter's dad. And then old Demeter. You mean Deuteronomy? Or old Deuteronomy, not Demeter. Long day. Old Deuteronomy (laughs) is dad. Um, and old Deuteronomy is uh, his lyrics are about how he's like had ninety nine wives. I just kind of assumed Jenny was one of them. I mean, I guess in theory they all could be one of them. That's true. I always thought of Jenny as yeah, very much like a grandmotherly cat, and she had her mice that she hung out with and her roaches, and that was her little family. What about Jelly then? So Jelly was obviously very close to Gus, like very much his caretaker, sort of like a. I think in some productions, like his niece and some kind of like his partner, depending on age and things like that. Um, and I remember she was good friends with Jenny. They were always very tight in every production I did. What about with Grizz? No, Jelly did not love Grizz. I think Jelly was disapproving of Grizzabella. Yeah. So there's one of the rumors is that they had a falling out. Yeah. And that was it. What about Bustifer? Bustifer? Any connection with Bustifer? No. Bustifer is a standalone as far as I remember. Okay. So this is where I start tying stuff together. I think Joey and Bustifer and Grizz were a love triangle. Really? hmm Why? Because they had a falling out and they were really good friends. And I think Bustifer slept with one instead of the friend. See, but if Bustifer slept with anyone, I would have thought it was Jenny. Ooh, that could have been case. She sings a whole song about him and how great he is. So maybe, so yeah. I mean, so maybe look, this is Jenny and Bustifer. See, this is this this right here goes back to you said, hey, there's very clear backstories of who slept with who, and now we're coming <laughs> back and being like, well, it could have been them, it could have been that. This is why there's no backstory. There is no like, I want, I, I need to go back to 2008 where you were told all this, and someone needs to record it. Well, I think what's important is that there's no canonical backstory, right? You can create it. That's actually what's fun about cats is you can create different stories with them as long as they make sense you have some flexibility so no cast is going to be 100 the same ever i know that's what makes this fun though that's why yeah. i have 60 plus episodes <laughs> arguing with people about who should be sleeping with who and who should be you know rewarded with death i guess i mean i just uh, think it's funny that they had a sex life at all doing that show that's i mean I, granted you did come in thinking you were seeing space cats as a <laughs> nine-year-old and then you learned that the ball is an orgy and i'm sure that was very eye-opening I was surprised. Yeah. Yes. Were you told, when are you told that part of that? Is that after you spend like two days basically nuzzling up to your castmates? Yeah. I mean, it's just part of the choreography of the ball. When you learn it, that's 
the thing that is happening and you have to honor that that's what's happening. But yeah, it's all of a sudden they're all just having sex. <laughs> what a, what a show for an eight year old. <laughs> um, so tell me about when did you do the North shore music theater? Was that before or after the tour? So North shore was a few years after, I want to say 2013. Uh, yeah, 2013, okay. same director, same director. What is that production like? It was totally different because so North Shore Music Theater is in the round. So the whole show is done in the round. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) Uh Which changes a lot of things. Um, And they put in, there are a couple of versions of Cats and they put in Peaks and Pollicles into Mm -hmm. the North Shore version, which many of us had never done. Which also wasn't, I don't think was done in 2016 in the revival. No, it's almost never done as far as I know. It so, got cut long ago and it's it's gone, but they put it in. I have so many questions about being in it's, a, it's a, essentially a round theater. Yeah. How does that like work? Like there's so many like do you like how does the tire work? Like tell me more about that experience. It was interesting. So well, I've worked at North Shore a few times, so I was actually really comfortable with the stage, which is lucky. They have a lift that they use. Um, but honestly, the the hardest part is entrances and exits. If you think about coming on stage as a cat sort of on all fours most of the time when your exit and entrances through the audience, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, 200 feet, it's, it's quite a journey <laughs> to get to the stage every time. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a very different experience. I, now I'm trying to comprehend it. I was really thrown off by the most recent tour. It has what I call the bounce castle um, stage where it was like essentially an inflatable stage, which I thought would be very difficult. But now I think a round theater might be even harder. To In the stage. round is harder. Yeah. Well, because of the choreography too, you can't do anything flat. Everyone has to turn as they do the ball, for example. You can't just go straight one direction. You have to arc all the way around. Everything's always turning. Wow. So how does like trying to think like a Mungo Jerry and Rumble teaser. I guess that one's probably a little easier in the circle versus some of the other ones. Yeah. That one was easier. I think because it's just the two of them, everyone else could kind of crouch around the edges and you could see them. But when we did uh, like Jenny, any dot song, she had to tap down through the middle and everyone would sort of tap around her. It's, it's definitely a, it's definitely a brain puzzle when you're doing what about, um, so how does, how does Grizabella go up? in there so it's a lifted stage we're like does the stage just go up or do they still fly her out i don't even remember i feel like they built her a lift i feel like she had something but i honest i honestly don't remember and how long did this run go for uh oh they're quick they're maybe like uh six weeks or something okay so six weeks and you were on tour for a year or two Mm -hmm. before that okay so you've got you know a year-ish, a year and a half of cats in your, your history. Um, the, the other thing I read about the tour, the non-equity tour, is that it was considered a extremely grueling tour because it's like one or two days in and out at all times. Like, was that your experience? Tell me a little bit about like being on tour yes. in that type of environment. Yes, the schedule was challenging. Um, and they'd been running for a few years and the longer tours run sort of the shorter the stays get as they bounce around from city to city. Um, so when I came on, it was a lot of one nighters and split weeks, which means you're riding a bus for eight hours a day and like cramped in your tiny little seat. And then you get off and you go eat dinner and you 
stretch and warm up your body and you do cats for and, two and a half hours. <laughs> and then you go to the next place? Uh, no, then you go to the hotel and sleep, but then you're up early the next morning back on the bus if it's just a one night. Yeah. Wow. What was the, like, where, what towns, like, appreciated cats more and who, like, really, you had some some fans? I, oh, man, everywhere was really wonderful. Honestly, the cats fans are the the best fans I've ever met, frankly. They're just the most excited. I distinctly remember in, I think it's Tempe, Arizona, there's a big theater there. And I remember a lot of fans coming fully dressed as cats and just the stage door being so exciting. They were they were really great there. But there were a lot of places, I think, up in um, Calgary in Canada we stayed. Places we stayed longer, places we stayed for like a week, mm-hmm. the fans really came out and were awesome. Yeah, I was I was actually curious about that as I saw as I was reading about the tour about one night or just a couple nights versus a two week or you know a week plus. It, do you get more craziness on a one night because it's like this is my one shot, all the super fans are coming, or do, do the super fans and craziness spread out when you're there for a week? I mean, I want to say we were sold out almost the whole time. So kind of wherever you go, people are really happy that you're there. Um, yeah, the fans were great everywhere. So exciting. Yeah, I, I find it, it, I just love it. I know it's it's coming to on tour. You know, it's a touring again now, um, and it was supposed to come to where I'm from. And there's some people that have just season tickets to that, and I'm like, I want to know who's going to be like pleasantly surprised and who's going to be like, I came for Space Cats and now I'm here and what happened? <laughs> you know, like like had no idea because I've definitely been at some of the stuff and I won't say what shows they were where a handful of people walked out because it was the season ticket and was not what they were expecting. Um, Oh, I feel like with cats, you know what you're getting. You, you know, you're coming to have a good time. Yeah. Don't you? I didn't. What did you think? I had no idea what I was going to see. I knew it's been on when I went and I went to the last preview of the 2016 revival on Broadway and just moved to New York. I went expecting to see, singing and dancing and a show that's been around forever. Like at that point, I think it was the most um, revenue generating show of all time or like it, it was, it's, it's been around that long. So I'm like, okay, this has to be interesting and it's cats. And then I knew it was the butt end of a lot of jokes, like a modern family episode and a family guy episode. Like I just had seen it there and I knew the song memory and <laughs> that was it. That's I interesting to me though, else. because that revival, that's the Blankenbuehler revival, mm-hmm. right? It was to me that was a completely different show. Really, a completely different show from what I had experienced having done the show before. In what way? I mean, well, the choreography obviously was so completely different, and so much of that show is the choreography, right? So just the energy of the show was completely different. The way that they presented some of the characters. I remember Mr. Mistopheles was really, really differently interpreted. To me, they're like two separate shows almost. They're they're not the same. So it's interesting you say that because as someone who couldn't tell you the first thing about dance or in the choreography, I've now watched the 1998 movie a couple times and I've watched the show. And to me, they seem similar. Like really, but but it's because I'm I'm taking an angle of storytelling of like plot, and sure. there's still no plot from either you know, 1998 or 2016. So there is, there is plot. (laughs) 
okay. There's the same amount of loose plot from 1998 yeah. as there's 2016. It was the 2019 movie where I'm like, okay, you made some like changes. Like I the did not see being, that movie. You didn't miss much, but the story's been told from a different angle. It's there's like totally different character interpretations. It's mm. the British version of Mungo Jerry Noble Teaser, which sounds nothing like the other one. Oh yeah. So like there were there were changes. Whereas to me, 1998 and 2016 felt similar as the outsider looking in. I'm sure if I was a dancer, I'd be like, that's different choreography, that's different things, but I would never notice that. You could actually probably put them side by side, and I probably would not notice that still. For sure. Also, to be fair, I am not a dancer, and I did cats. Okay. So, but so, do you, was there vocal changes? Like, was I mean, the songs are pretty much the same, right? Yeah, there were some uh, time signature changes. I feel like Mungo and Rump was maybe different, hmm. um, but just the vibe, just the vibe was different. Okay, that was my first experience. So you know, it's not the Chicago, whatever year version <laughs> uh, that I saw that you saw first. I you know, I came in with 2016 to begin. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. I'm fascinated. Who um I'm I'm curious to hear a little bit more about the backstories that you were told. Because you did come in, you know, you're kind of saying you, you're given a big history of this, and you're now saying, hey, there's a lot more plot. What is that plot? Like how is it explained to you before you go on stage the first time? So as I remember it, the plot was very much that these cats come meet once a year in the junkyard and Monka straps the head guy and he sort of helps present the options to old Deuteronomy who they, I think they collectively decide, but really he's like the deciding vote on who gets to go be reborn and, and come back and live again. Okay. So that's the broad story. And then yeah. each person comes in and makes their case. Basically. There's an intermission for an orgy. Yeah, of course. And then comes back this person who was, banned from competition and they win yeah with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You see the, you see the flaws with that story? No. No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Um, because I, I think, so some of it, I think you have to think of it as like meeting a family of, I mean, they're cats. I was going to say people, but they're cats. It's like meeting a family. They're a tribe, obviously. That's how we think of them. And of course, there are people who are sometimes on the outs. There are cliques that form and there are relationships that happen. But at the end of the day, they're still a family and you make the best decision that you can. And she was, 
chosen at the end. And I think everyone was really happy for her at the end. Are, but are you're describing reality TV, not a sitcom? <laughs> like, I'm, like we're meeting a, you know, it's a an, an e e network family that we're getting, and I, I won't call out any of them in particular. But we're gonna watch the family, and you know, at the end, we're gonna we're gonna choose one versus a curated story of here's how this goes. Sure, yeah, it's not. It's definitely not a linear tale. That's for sure. But you get to meet different characters and some are sort of competing to win and some are sort of just disrupting the process. Um, mm-hmm. I think of it more as just like a, it's, it is more like a reality TV show. It's more like peering into the window of what these cats are doing when nobody's looking. See, I, I, that I buy, but then I get into the argument of a reality TV is not supposed to have plot, whether we agree with, you know, <laughs> it depends on how much conspiracy you think in reality TV is curated, but reality TV is supposed to be, authentic and organic and there's no plot and you get a peer in so that's where i like i kind of got that same vibe the first time i saw it and then that's why i'm like this isn't there's no there shouldn't be a plot here because i'm i'm watching reality cats yeah and that's then i have very different choices of okay we got other challenges with that but there's it's hard to explain a plot because it doesn't feel like there is one well like i said i think for the audience, there isn't so much, but for the people in the show, there is. And I guess I think it's like, what do you think a plot is, right? The show has characters and they have relationships and things happen to them and they react to them and something happens. But no, there's not There's not a traditional plot. There's not a beginning, a middle, and an end necessarily, yeah, right? Because the a, end is a starting over. Yeah, there's not a traditional conflict resolution type of thing. Right, right. Okay. Um, let's pivot into some rapid fire questions about this. Um, If you could play any cat, forget vocal range, dance ability, just like male, female, just anyone, which track would you want to do? Gus. Gus. Tell me why. He is so beautiful. His story is so touching to me. And I think also I was jelly for so long. Obviously I have a lot of connection to that character. Like you just develop an affinity for the person you're with all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I think his story is so beautiful. And of course, he's an actor. So that sounds really lame. But of course, you sort of empathize with his situation. And also, of course, the the range. He gets to be Gus, who he is now. And also, he gets to sort of flashback and be who he was back in the day at his prime, which was um, Growl Tiger. So he gets to be these two really great things. And that's really fun as an actor, of course, to sort of get to stretch a little bit. So I would definitely want to Gus Growl Tiger. That's awesome. That's awesome. What is your favorite song from the show? Uh, to do or to watch? Either. Oh, I guess. So I love, I think Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser, I love to watch. Could watch that nonstop. Mm-hmm. They're just so kinetic. Yeah. Um, who are your favorite and least favorite cats? You have to definitely have to answer. I know there's there's got to be one you dislike. I oh man, how can I answer this politically correctly? But not not like castmates or people that you did it with. Just like the actual character. Yeah, I just feel I feel really. (laughs) I don't want to throw any cats under the bus. I love them all. Um, Well, I love Jenny. Love her. She's just the best just the happiest hardest person um i 
didn't love Pounceable all the time. Okay. I was going to say, it's got to be one of the younger males. Like, because you played Jelly and Jenny and Grizz. Like, there's going to be one of those, like, Alonzo, Pounceable. Like, I figured one of those would be the ones that would bother you. Yeah, and not for personal reasons. They're just always up in your face and tugging on your tail and bouncing around. And I just want to be sitting down. It's okay. You can. It's a tribe. You're going to have, you know, <laughs> that one person in the show that you don't like. Like that's okay. Not not human cat. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. No, I loved all the humans. Yeah. Of course. Um, okay. You were on a very grueling tour. Which cat, personality-wise, would actually be best at thriving on the eight hours a day, eat dinner, warm up, go perform? Like, which which character would be best in that world? Oh man, it would probably be the young. It would be the young males. They would just yeah naturally be ready to go do it. Yeah, because they can be scrunched up on a bus all day and then just pop out adrenaline through it. Yeah. Which one would be best in the round theater? Like which one would be would would make the most of that stage? I mean, Grizabella. Really? Yeah. Why so? I would have thought something else. I would have thought Tugger. Oh, Tugger had a good time in the round. Yeah. Like all eyes from all angles watching him. Yeah, but I also think that about Grizz that she can just be, and be seen. That's okay. That's fair. I hadn't thought about that way. Okay, million dollar question. And I'm hoping, based on what you just said earlier, that you might be on, on my, my side here. I've already argued at length that I don't think Grizzabelle is the right joyful choice. So I want to hear, Do you are you Team Grizz? Or if not, who are you casting to the heavyside layer instead of her? Okay, so when I'm playing Grizz, I'm Team Grizz. But if <laughs> while, Okay, so while you're, while you're <laughs> on stage as Grizzabelle, I, I can understand I choose defending me. that choice. <laughs> Uh, but oh. if as a person watching the show, not in the show today, who are you like rooting for? Who are you cheering for and why? I choose Gus every time. Gus every time. Okay. Every time. And what's your rationale for Gus? Like what, what makes you team Gus? I mean, similar to what I said earlier about why I love him so much. I just think he, he has lived such a beautiful, interesting life and he isn't done yet. Right. He he lets us know he communicates very clearly that he has more he wants to do and share and be. And he's, as far as we can tell, very lovely. So I think he deserves that opportunity probably more than anybody else. And he's obviously on his last legs. So this might be his last chance. So why do you think this doesn't get chosen? Because someone had to sing memory and it's a female song. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Summer Sings Memory, and then that's the way the show ends. So they have to to, yeah. to kill her. That's no. I mean, I think Grizz is also deserving in a different way, right? Her struggle is just a different struggle from his. Mm-hmm. I so both are redemption stories, mm-hmm. and the part I struggle with in in for Gus or not for Gus, but for Grizabella, is if you're choosing redemption stories, why are you not choosing the person who's been loyal to your tribe the whole time? Why are we choosing this outsider who left, was banished for some reason or another, and then comes back? And just because, you know, you built out a powerful, amazing song, you get to go. Are you saying if I built a powerful, amazing song, I can't have everything I want? Because that's maybe the world we want to live in. <laughs> <You> can- <laughs> I 
I mean, I was very much a fan of seeing everyone I've seen do Grizabella belted out. It's an impressive feat. Mm-hmm. But I watched two hours and 45 minutes of show. And I do actually just learn that Grizz is only on stage for 15 minutes. Yeah. Which is crazy in yeah. itself. And so like when I do as someone who is looking for the storyline and the sitcom version of this and not the reality TV version, I kept going, that was great. That was one performance. I watched other ones that I really enjoyed too. Mm-hmm. Why am I picking her? Yeah, I don't know. And interestingly for me, I think the win for Grizz isn't that she gets chosen. It's that the other cats accept her and touch her after so many years of no contact. Totally. So she should spend next year with the tribe <laughs> and belt out memory 2.0 okay. and go the next year. So your argument is it can be Grizz in the sequel. Yeah, in Cats okay. 2. Great. I've written a lot of version of Cats 2, though, so we've got to be very careful. Have you? <laughs> of course. Yeah, we've got some ways Cats 2 can, can, can go down. But okay. I think it depends on how you – it depends on how you really interpret. Like, what is old dude's – when is he actually going? Because Monk's kind of in charge, but does he ever die? Is he ever going to be a choice? Deuteronomy? Yeah. I don't know. He does feel very ethereal. He feels timeless, doesn't he? He does, but that's a that's I mean that's another version of cats too. I have old dude goes. Well, yeah. What happens, to old dude? Like, what's his story? Yeah, I don't know, but he's so great to look at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is how we should be choosing. Yeah. So who can belt <laughs> and who looks great is how we're going to choose. That's the society we need to live in. Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't ever think there's a right or wrong answer. Obviously, you have a, you're posturing that there is a right and wrong answer because you think she was wrong. But I think a redemption story of any kind is beautiful and powerful and everyone relates to that. I agree. I don't, I don't think there's a right answer to this, but I think there's a wrong answer. (laughs) Okay, so what if I argued, you know, Gus is deserving, but he's gotten to be part of the tribe and enjoy his life and his time with them. And because Grizabella was banished and hasn't, maybe she is more deserving of another chance and more time with her family. But is that what happens when she gets murdered by old Deuteronomy? She doesn't get murdered? What did Isn't you just that what say? Happens? That's, uh, that's what happens. She gets reborn. She gets she killed to be reborn. flies in a spaceship yeah. <laughs> to her home planet and goes back. <laughs> and then- that's the uh, sorry. That's the eight-year-old version. Uh, that's not what it is. Yeah, don't. No one believe me. It's not what it is. No, he doesn't murder her. She just she flies and gets reborn. And that doesn't involve dying. Why do you want to think about that? Why would you? Well, because cats have nine <laughs> lives, right? So it's like one has to end for the next one to start. Sure. Yeah. There's I guess a it... there is a version of this that someone brought up on this podcast that there's a old Deuteronomy is just a serial killer version of this show. You think about it. Who brought that up? Oh, there's uh there's been a a few people from the it's the two thousand the most recent tour. Mm. There's a couple that brought that up. It's like not their actual thought. It's just kind of like a funny Halloween version way of of interpreting the show. Sure. Everyone comes around to be murdered. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Yeah, it's just a the the ball is just a a setup for it. Okay, I, I'm glad you're Team Gus. Um, we could keep talking in circles about all the different ways that the show could go, Cats 2 could go, and I would love to do that. But uh, 
but I think everyone who listens to this podcast has heard me give like 25 versions of cats too. Um, so I wanted to ask, how can we stay in touch and find you on social media and kind of keep up with what you're doing? Oh, uh, I'm on all the things, the Instagrams at Lynn J. Craig, and I have a website, lynnjcraig.com. You can hang out there with me. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on and humoring me with the crazy questions and telling me about Space Cats and uh, the Circle Theater. I would have never thought for that. So this has been super fun to hear some different perspectives on the show. Cool. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cat's catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Wrong Cat Died, or check out our website, thewrongcatdied.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.